The Lord Almighty grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said. 
and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord.
The second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The word Advent means arrival or coming. This year we meditate in turn on each arrival of Christ. The first is in the past, in fulfillment of the Old Testament hope. The second arrival, the second Advent, is in the future, his return to judge the living and the dead. And the third advent is in the present, as he enters our hearts through word and sacrament and is exhibited in our lives through our works of love and service. Tonight we consider Christ's first advent, which we celebrate as Christmas, fulfillment of the Old Testament hope through his birth in Bethlehem. I call your attention to a verse from the first reading, Hebrews 6, verse 15. So after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. The letter to the Hebrews refers to God's call of Abraham. God called Abraham out of the city of Ur, promising him land and a son who would bless all nations. Now Abraham waited a long time for that son, 25, 30, maybe 40 years before that son was finally born to Sarah in her old age. And it's easy for us to forget that he never got the land. When he had to bury Sarah, he had to buy a plot from the local Hittites for he was a stranger among them. The promise that Abraham should receive the land waited until later to be fulfilled. Now the promise was that the seed of Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. And was Israel a blessing to the nations? The people became a snare to the Egyptians and later a curse to the Canaanites. Throughout the Old Testament, it's hard to see how the promise to Abraham that his seed would bless all nations 
was fulfilled. And then God made a promise to David that David's son would rule forever. But though Solomon made the temple, Solomon fell into sin. He worshipped some foreign gods, the gods of his wives. And in consequence, he lost ten of the tribes of Israel. Later, descendants of David continued to sin, and they lost the whole kingdom. Babylon destroyed the temple, David's capital. And after the Babylonian captivity, a son of David never again was king in Jerusalem. It sure looked like God had gone back on that promise. For 400 years, Israel yearned for God's promise, the son of David called the Messiah or anointed one in Greek called the Christ. And since his throne was lost through sin, the rabbis speculated that righteousness would bring the Messiah. It was said that if everyone kept the law perfectly, the Messiah would come. But Israel couldn't keep the law. And the Messiah didn't come for 400 years. And after 400 silent years, years without a prophet, John the Baptist came to explain. After 400 years without prophets, his presence excited the people. Many thought he could not be a new prophet, but must be one of the old prophets returned. Particularly Elijah, who was said to wear a cameled hair coat and a leather girdle about his waist. John explained that all had failed the old covenant law. That all needed a washing of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Not just the Gentiles who were new to Israel, as was the custom, but even those who had been born as children of Abraham and lived under the covenant all their lives, they too needed to acknowledge their sin and repent and be baptized. That was the message of the Old Covenant. And John was the last great prophet of the Old Covenant. But he added this hope that one mightier than he would come who would baptize with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now let's pause a moment to think of the waiting of the people of God. You know, most of the people of God fell away. The ten tribes that rebelled against Solomon, the Jews who preferred idolatry to faithfulness, and those who just plain got tired of waiting to fulfill the prom waiting for God to fulfill the promise. But those humble few who believed God's promise even more than their own experience, who hoped against hope, who hoped against all appearances. These were the ones for whom the Messiah came. 
I don't know if you have any experiences like Abraham or the people of God waiting for God to fulfill his promise. I recall waiting for Christmas when I was age four or five. You know, three weeks waiting for Christmas then when you were only 250 weeks old. Well, that's three to five percent of your lifetime. No wonder it seemed so long when we were that young. I recall one Christmas, I really wanted plastic airplane models. And I reminded my parents more than once that this was what I wanted for Christmas. And like many families, my parents had a Christmas closet and they kept all the, the gifts in there. And like so many children, you know, you sneak into the closet and you shake the box. Well, the box with my name on it had a lid you could just lift off. So I lifted off the lid and I saw a sweater, a tie, pants. What boy wants new scratchy clothes? I was so disappointed. And on Christmas morning, we opened our gifts and I said, I moped over and took the box and I said, I'll take it upstairs because I know it's clothes. And my parents called me back down and said, no, no, look under the clothes. And on the bottom of the box, hidden underneath those clothes, were the plastic airplane models that I wanted. You see, I had lost confidence in my parents. I had lost faith. I didn't see it. I only believe what my eyes told me. I was like Israel, who failed to recognize the Messiah when he came. He was the one they wanted, they yearned for, but they didn't recognize him. They expected a military leader who would free them from their overlords. They did not recognize the Savior who would rescue them from sin, death, and the devil. And you know, those rabbis who speculated had a point. But it was not the, it was not the people of Israel keeping the law that would bring the Messiah. It was the Messiah himself, the only one of Israel who could keep the law. That's who Jesus is. Israel reduced the one. He is the remnant of Israel who keeps the law faithfully and becomes the beginning of a new people of God. That's why after Christ's work, he chooses another 12 disciples, the nucleus of another 12 tribes. And when he finished his work of dying and rising from the dead, he proclaimed that forgiveness of sins and salvation should be proclaimed to Jew and Gentile, to every nation. And now, Jew and Gentile who are joined to him receive his righteousness and eternal life. And in contrast to the Old Covenant, this is the Gospel. And the Lord says, proclaim it to all creatures. He says, disciple people in every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now his first advent is the surety for every promise that God has made to you. 
Lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Ask in my name, and I will give it to you. He who believes and is baptized has eternal life. No wonder in the bleakest time of the year, the darkest and longest nights, we recall God's keeping His promise in the advent of Christ in our flesh. This is Christ's first advent which fulfills the Old Testament hope. A hope that is ours by faith and fulfilled in Christ. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.
from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of your only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Guide us, waking, O Lord, and guard us, sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Lord,